today we are joined in the studio by James Royce, Managing Director of Lateral Naval Architect. And uh, we're going to discuss many things, but um, change of demographics within the super yacht industry and how that's affecting and driving innovations when it comes to design, sustainability, a whole host of things that uh, go into the consideration of designing new yachts. From Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community, Super Yacht Radio. James, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here with us on Super Yacht Radio. How are you today? No problem. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Very well. Thank you very much. Lovely to meet you. We had the pleasure of talking with Simon uh, earlier this year, who was a, a mine of information on hydrogen, since that was your big um, concept launch at Monaco Yacht Show last year. And uh, it's yes. lovely to have the chance to chat with you and, and uh, focus a little bit more of what you see coming in the future. Yes. What we have uh, noticed um, the past several months is uh, exactly that, the change in, in demographics. There's a lot more younger billionaires around than there was in my day. In fact, when I was a kid, there was no billionaires. They were just Mil millionaires. Millionaires <laughs> were the things to go for. From, from Lateral's perspective, how is that influencing and driving uh, your job? which is the uh, design of, of uh, yachts. Sure. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, for sure, there's a lot of discussion in our industry at the moment about the future and about uh, the, the changing demographics um, of buyers as we go into the future and that, that wealth is shifting to uh, younger generations. I think, uh, you know, there's lots of talk around the, the, the next generation and millennials and all, all these different terminologies that are used. And sometimes we, we tend to, I think, get ourselves a little bit wrapped up in the in the subconscious thought, perhaps, that, you know, this next generation is is some sort of event that's coming uh, and we all need to get ready for it. And the fact is, actually, it's happening every day. It's a slow and progressive change. Um, there are short term shifts in geographical demographic of where the, the, the buyers are coming from that's driven by sort of macro uh, economics. Uh, and certainly we see a shift to North America in recent years. Uh, North American buyers, uh, and and that that may or may not change in the coming years. But I think uh, over the longer term, we we're certainly seeing a progressive shift to to yeah to to younger people who've made their wealth younger in their age, um, and that does that does have an influence on on the questions we get asked, if well, you like, by those. Well, I suppose uh, you, you've you know, you've got if you've got younger people, they're most likely more acutely aware of the climate crisis that that we're going through they're probably more acutely aware of the technology innovations uh, now i don't want to be ageist here but i would imagine if i spoke with my father-in-law or his generation about the new technologies etc i could see their eyes glazing over how, how is that well, can I also add the other big feedback we've had of the change in the demograph is what um, this newer generation are also looking for, where they want to go. It's It seems to be an increasing market for experience-driven super yachts. You're, you're heading down towards the Explorer yacht, in fact, <laughs> aren't you? She loves Explorer yachts. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a number of things to unpack there. Firstly, you know, 
new generations of buyers. I mean, I suppose if I if I if I look at my own children, I mean they're they're, they're quite young, sort of uh, nine and and twelve, going on thirteen. I mean they see the world quite differently to to the way I see it. Um, uh, and when they grow up, they will you know have a different you know, to, to become my age, sort of mid forties. They they'll have a, a different view, and it's not because. Uh, that they're they're somehow fundamentally genetically different um, to the, to every other human. Uh, it's just that the world views that the world in which they're forming their views at the moment, as we all know, is 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 changing and is very changing very rapidly. Well, and, and the discussions. Different. If you go back to when you were thirteen to fifteen or eighteen, uh, we didn't have social media. We didn't have instant access to all the information they did. We didn't have all of the, the kind of technology driven generation. It, internet was just bl- blooming back in those days and we didn't talk about plastics then either <laughs> yeah so i think you know the that the 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 owners we we the younger owners we see coming through now um certainly are coming with some challenging questions more and more challenging questions uh and and i think as as we go forwards um if we really are to attract more people into super yacht the business and pleasure of super yachting and we you you've mentioned there about becoming more experience driven perhaps in the future actually you know people will just want the experience the notion of of owning a super yacht in order to get that experience might become an old-fashioned uh, uh, concept so you know if we if we if as an industry uh, we're going to remain relevant and compelling to future you know the future generations um we've got to respond to these uh, new questions with some fairly convincing and authentic uh, uh responses in terms of design and innovation and and how how the, the yachts we we offer um not only offer them a good a good platform for their experience um but also do in a way that for them in, in terms of their worldview on sustainability and um, other such matters uh, is convincing for them to actually um, want to be involved. So, uh, James, I, I know you were um, one of the speakers at last year's Mets trade show, and um, we had the pleasure of, of broadcasting a lot of the seminars, and there was a a very big um, discussions of what needs to change in our industry via innovation to make it, and I'm, I'm going to use the quotation marks because we'll get back to this, to make it more sustainable. Uh, where do you see po- possibly the biggest changes happening in the design and innovation of super yachts? Well, just the design, but also the fabrication, the materials used to build it. Yeah. Uh, I think you mentioned quotation marks around sustainability there. Um, and I think actually to answer the question, we maybe need to unpick that a little bit. I suppose maybe some of these future generations might be thinking, well, buying a super yacht doesn't sit well with me purely because of the scale of the resources that are used to build this thing just for me. Uh, and I suppose if we if we think about the materials involved, um, if we were if we were a company that was building um, that was making plastic forks, for example, um, uh, yeah, we, we might think about materials uh, in, a, in a slightly different way and sustainability in a slightly different way. But we're building luxury products which are going to be around for generations, perhaps hundreds of years, um, maybe even longer, who knows. Um, there are plenty of yachts around today that have been 
around for well over 100 years, uh, very highly maintained assets. Um, so why shouldn't they be built out of the best materials? Um, yes, we need to build them more efficiently. Yes, we need to make sure that uh, the source of the materials uh, is um, ecologically sound. Uh, but I think we need to we need to put more context to what we mean by sustainability. Uh, at the moment, there's a big focus. Obviously, the natural thing to focus on is how much energy is used uh, in the operation of the of the yachts, uh, and that is sort of the big focus at the moment. And a lot, certainly, in a lot of our work, in terms of uh, where the energy comes from and how efficiently you can propel the yacht and how efficiently you can turn the fuel into the uh, electricity required to run the services on board and other power requirements. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think more widely, though, sustainability needs in our industry needs a bit of wider context and definition. Well, could I go back just to, to what you said initially? Which was, and I, I fully understand. I can, I, you know, I, I see it myself. Where the, I don't know which, uh, which it is, Generation X, Y, or Z, <laughs> you know, the younger generation that are moving into to yacht ownership, uh, the younger billionaires. Um, I, I, I really do appreciate what you say, uh, and I, and I know to be true, where the younger people will think, oh, you know. Uh, isn't it scandalous that so much resources are going in to building this bateau, this boat, that's just fundamentally for me, my ego, my uh, personal enjoyment, or whatever? Uh, do you think that that that's a that there needs to be an education as well? Because if if you stand back a little bit further and look at it, yes, ultimately this boat is just for you. However, the amount of employment, uh, the amount of jobs that goes on in building the boat, in in, in getting it to, to the launch pad, as it were, and then in in maintaining the boat, in servicing, blah, 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 that the overall benefit and wealth that that job generates, uh, it feeds many families, it employs many people, and it is... Truly, it's in a, it is really trickle down wealth. That yes, it, I, I think you you exactly. It's one of my uh, thoughts about putting some context to sustainability because there is economic sustainability. You know, if I have two hundred million, um, what do I do with it? Do I put it in an intangible financial product that benefits a handful of people, or do I redistribute it through? through a, a segment of society by building a, a large asset like a super yacht. Uh, and then not only is it redistributing wealth when it's constructed, it's also doing that throughout its entire life as it travels around the world You make me laugh when you say if I had 200 million. Reminds me of the old joke of how do you become uh, a millionaire? You start as a billionaire and you buy a boat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think it also raises the um, the question of looking at the entire life cycle of a super yacht as well, not just from construction, but all the way to the end of life, well, where hopefully, you know, the super yachts we're building now, as you say, are going to be lasting a lot longer than, say, even 50 years uh, we, ago. We've had a lot of talks with uh, Peter Franklin, who you'll know, I presume, from, from METS, and uh, the innovations in... Uh, alternatives to fiberglass 
you know, say that. And I get, you, you mentioned earlier, and that's actually something I wanted to go back, uh, you, you mentioned earlier where there are still boats in the fleet that are 40, 50, 80, possibly even 100 years old, um, those kind of classic boats. However, if if I, and, and I really love your, opinion, your view on this, if I look back at boats between, say, today's average Bonetti or Fedship or whatever, and I look back 40, 50, 60 years, the design really hasn't shifted dramatically, uh, except for the aft, it tends to be more rounded on the older classic boats and more squared off on the newer boats. But Ultimately, they tend to be the kind of white boats. Now, if I was to look, even if I was to look at, at your website, which I must compliment you on, it's a lovely site, but Thank if you. I was to look on there and you look at the, and also we've spoken as well to the, the designers coming along, you see it in cars, you see it in, in boats as well, where the mold has been broken. So the the, the designs that we're seeing now do you remember the Jetsons cartoon where it was all yeah. kind of in the future and wow, because things yeah. you know, we're seeing that now, but it's it's not in the future. It's it's now. These boats are coming, the, you know, the, the, the designers are coming up with the designs. Owners are looking at them going, that's different. I like that. So I'm just thinking in 20, 30 years, the boat I buy today, if it is that you know, new Classic. design uh, mold, it's going to age very quickly, mm. presuming yeah, that I think this trend in this curve in design, uh, radical design change, uh, continues. The boat today in a hundred years will just look like an old boat in opposed to an old classic. I think. Well, what's your view? Yes, I think um, I think your 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 comment about uh, boats today being quite similar to to boats of previous generations, that there is some truth in that, in that the underlying technical, fundamental technical aspects are are generally at a fundamental level very similar. You know, the vast majority of boats are sort of twin screw, twin screw direct drive diesel boats uh, with a bank of generators. Um, uh, I think, though, in terms of actual design, in terms of the user experience, um, uh, you know, on, on a similar side, two similar sized boats, um, when you look at what you get out of a, I don't know, let's let's pick a size range, what you get out of a 70 meter today in terms of user experience mm -hmm. is vastly different than you would have got out of a boat um, 50 years ago. Uh, and a lot, and that is all, you know, it's partly down to the way our industry's developed, um, you know, very pos in a p positive way in that, you know, design leads, um, the design community uh, challenge us as the engineering community with ever more elaborate uh, and innovative designs. Uh, and we have to find the right technology to uh, make that design intent, to realize that design intent. Uh, and of course, you know, the owners now come uh, for new boats wanting more and more. It's this kind of snowball effect. Um, when I say more, I don't mean more as in more um, uh, in a, uh, like a volume or a size, or a, I mean, just mean more in terms of experience. Um, uh, and what you know, how much you can actually get out of any particular sized boat, uh, and I can see that carrying on for sure. You know, we will the design will evolve, and um, it will push technology, uh, and, t and and similarly in a kind of circular, virtuous circle. You know, more technology, more more tech, technical innovation 
uh, will enable more design innovation uh, and and the two kind of go hand in hand. I think in, in some projects where you see maybe design happening away from technical uh, te- its technical counterpart, then perhaps sometimes that's not not so good. Um, but certainly projects where they 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 go hand in hand, um, you know, yeah, there's some some projects that are really pushing the boundaries. We've seen um, a number of just very interesting concept yachts being released over the past year, in particular. Um, you know, very different hull shapes, uh, very different use of light. Uh, as you said, I think there's a increasing awareness of the importance of the experience within the yacht and the practicality of use as well for for crew who live on the yacht all year round. Are there any particular designs that you find or you would keep your eye on that you kind of would see a trend that excites you or you would see this as a beginning of a trend potentially? Uh, I think trends, um, it's funny, you you mentioned Explorer Yachts earlier and there was a big sort of discussion in some of the media, I guess, over the last few years about, you know, it being a trend. And, and I sometimes feel like, well, actually, we, we our industry does things in quite small numbers in relative terms. Mm-hmm. It's quite difficult to, to label things specifically as as trends. I think I think uh, a, a lot of yachts tend to follow a fairly standard um, uh, layout. Um, we, we tend to have quite a um, uh, as a, a sort of, if you like, the the mold tends to be, to me, sometimes a little bit stayed. The notion that, I suppose, if you if you think about a company, you know, physical company, sometimes there's the the view that actually the important people sit at the top of the building, um, and the lower down the building you go, you know, as the workers are at the bottom, and you know, stuff like that. The and there tends to be that 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 kind of old school sort of thinking tends to sort of find its way into into design in some ways and that, you know, okay, the, the top of the yacht is the prime real estate and the crew are down and right, right down in the bottom. But actually, you know, as these boats get bigger and bigger, personally, I feel like you kind of get a bit sort of cruise liner syndrome that your connection with the water, you're so far away from it, you know, not even necessarily on a boat. Um, and I think there are some designs out there that have come out in recent years that kind of challenge that in some ways um, in terms of the use of space. Um, I think in order to really, really unpick that sort of thinking, sometimes it helps to work with design partners who actually come from a completely different industry, um, don't necessarily come from from yachting. Um, we've certainly been involved in a lot of projects over the last two or three years where there's there's almost like a, there's there's the main designer uh, who is marine, super yacht based, uh, but then perhaps the client comes with a, a guest design partner who comes and brings a different perspective, uh, and that's certainly uh, so, uh, a a non-nautical design partner. Yes. That, well, we've yeah. seen that yeah. with the auto industry. You know, Lexus and Porsche and the big names in the auto industry are certainly getting into the design for As- tenders. Aston and Martin with Triton. Aston Martin. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the big names of the motor industry are certainly coming into the nautical sector, it would seem. Yeah. Well, it's also yeah. They're, they're feeding into this high net worth, high net worth individual mm-hmm. landscape where you know if you're buying my bentley there's a fair chance you could buy a bentley boat so yes why not expand the business in there as well mm. which brings you know i guess uh, fresh eyes into the world of designing seagoing craft yeah and yeah. for 
innovations, I mean, there, you in particular have been involved in looking at a very innovative approach to fuel. The renewable fuels that are that are potentially coming along. We talked earlier in the year with you about um, hydrogen-powered super yachts. Do you see the market shifting at that, or do you feel it's still in its infancy while we try and figure out um, on a global scale where our renewable sources are going to be coming from? It's a, it's an interesting um, thread of discussion, this, and uh, I, I suppose I'll... I'll pretext it by saying, you know, there are no necessarily <laughs> right or wrong answers. Um, we're we're kind of in a forming stage, really, at a, you know, in terms of where, particularly where, you know, driven by commercial shipping, where that, you know, ha- there's certainly a move for shipping to decarbonize within the century, uh, and certainly probably within the first half of the century. Uh, how that's going to actually be achieved, you know, the IMO won't really sort of commit to that until. You know, for another few years yet until I think 2023 um, and ultimately in the commercial world the decisions and pathways that are taken will be driven by either regulation or by shareholder return by capitalism you know by ships needing to earn revenue um, uh, and that that will um, so you know there's, there's a massive em- impetus uh, on commercial shipping at the moment and there's also the, uh, good, the goodwill side of it as well there's a lot of pressure from investors and seeing the company that they're, they're dealing with in, in being green. You know, there's a yes. push there as well for yeah. the market. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it, it's quite a slow process though, but it will it will become clearer in the coming five, five years, I guess. On the leisure side, I mean, the drivers are, are more variable and maybe a bit more emotive. And I think there is an opportunity now. Now is the now is the time where the opportunity really exists for, um, you know, if if we took our sort of archetypal um, billionaire who um, perhaps wants to leave a legacy to the world, there is an there really is an opportunity to change the world to invest in some of these. Uh, uh, alternative fuels in the context of a yacht, uh, and um, perhaps um, yeah, uh, drive the change um, from a f- from the leisure side rather than piggybacking off the commercial side. Uh, obviously, you know, doing that does require spending a lot of money and taking a hell of a lot of risk um, doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if getting a deal or resale value or any of these other factors. <laughs> Uh, are your are your motivation then perhaps it's not it's not for you but if you're someone who wants to leave a legacy and really wants to uh, uh, play a part in changing the world then you know the opportunities are are there right now there's an old business acronym that I think my dad taught me when I was a little younger and didn't really understand what he was talking about but he said if you can imagine in business terms if you're driving a tanker it can take you five or ten miles just to do a u-turn where if you're driving a small little speedboat or a smaller boat, you can hook a U-turn on a coin very quickly. And he says businesses are like that. If you're a big organization, it takes a long time to change your processes mm. and mentality in order to shift. However, if you're, if you're a small company, you can go with the tide and you can, you can change direction very quickly if needed. Bringing that back into real world, and it's just, I'd love to know your, your view, is the superyacht industry not in a unique position to drive that kind of innovation in that we have 
you know, the boats are owned by billionaires. Not all of them that desire for legacy or innovation. They just want a boat they can go and spend with the family and good on them. Yeah, you've worked hard for it. But there are others that are very driven by sustainability and by the legacy they leave behind them and and what's going on sustainability-wise, who can put the money into developing a new technology uh, to power the boat. And if that technology is proven, then the potential for that to go upstream to the more commercial boats. The shipping, um, the cruise liners. in In a sense, super yacht world driving innovation in the commercial world in that in, in that sense what's your view on that yeah that that's i mean that's pretty much the the narrative i kind of just described that there is an opportunity in the, on the leisure side to let's not wait for the commercial world to define it we can we can define we can it and then it, yeah, yeah we we can we can drive it we, we've certainly seen in the last few years uh, a lot of owners coming uh, and the design brief includes um, the words, you know, must include future technology. Um, <laughs> future proof. Uh, when you, when, yeah, yeah, future proof technology. Now, when you when you start to unpick that a bit, what does that actually mean? Um, I mean, that was partly the whole line of thinking that behind our definition of our futurology framework, uh, and ultimately, you know, to have future technology involves employing technology that isn't necessarily fully proven maybe in some cases maybe not fully commercially available yet um but what we find is that a lot of people say they want it uh, but when they actually find out what it means in terms of risk they want someone else to warrant it and they want someone else to um uh to deliver it within a compressed time scale and actually none of those things fit with uh, being an innovator, really being an innovator, really being an innovator means taking risk, taking the risk yeah. um, that, you, that you can't necessarily always mitigate. And, and I don't think it's realistic to just uh, say, well, the shipyards have to carry all the risk, uh, that there has to be some balance of carrying the risk. So what we find generally is that a lot of the, the design briefs say we want future technology. Um, but once once it's actually mapped out as to what that means, there tends to be a sort of slow and progressive revert back to sort of vanilla you know, what we can buy and today and get a warranty for and, you know, get the boat as quickly as possible. Where, where do you oh, see it going on the, on the, uh, the fueling, the, the fuel source of the boats? I mean, I, I have a feeling we're in, in a little bit of kind of Betamax VHS. Uh, yeah, we are not, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> not sure which one's going to make it. You know, we've got the, the ammonian, ammonia, uh, hydrogen fuel cells kind of emerging. We've got Electric hybrids. What do you? What's your, your yeah. feel of? Yeah, I kind of. I think uh, having looked at all these things and um, having some appreciation of where all the various working groups and um, re- regulatory drivers are, etc. Um, yeah, you're, you know, you're exactly right. We are certainly in a VHS Betamax period. I think if I had to nail my colors to a strategy, I would say it's either, you know, I, and I kind of, um, I, here, here I kind of lean on, was it, was it Prince Charles who stood up in Davos at the World Economic Forum mm-hmm. the other week and said, uh, you know, there has to be a paradigm shift mm-hmm. uh, in the way the world deals with climate change. Well, are we going to, are we going, you know, is, is having an LNG powered yacht a paradigm shift? Not really. 
No. Yeah, it's it's twenty five percent less, twenty five percent more carbon efficient, maybe, uh, and uh, you know has cleaner emissions. But it's not a paradigm shift. So I'm I'm kind of I've always kind of been driven towards the idea of we need to go big or go home, uh, and going big means we're going we 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 nail our colours to hydrogen as an alternative fuel. Um, yes, it has to be produced produced by renewable sources. That's already happening. There's there's already stuff happening in that field at a very small, very small scale. And the the stepping stone and you know the gateway and enabler to all of that happening is is all electric. Um, so perhaps in in the nearer term we have all electric yachts. Yeah, okay. Where we are slightly hindered by battery technology um, in terms of the scalability of that in certain terms of overall size of yacht. But I think uh, I'm very much of the sort of we're going big, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna aim big and yeah, the the alternative fuels. Uh, I'm sure that they will. De- other alternative fuels will develop. I mean, there are distribution networks for ammonia and other such industrial chemicals. So so uh, and there and there are lots of you know, capitalism plays a part here again. Uh, there are lots of businesses whose uh, interest is in internal combustion engines and other such things. Um, and you can't just dismiss those out of hand. They're not just going to disappear. Actually, uh, we're, so, we're seeing the potential of a major breakthrough in battery technology with lithium, lithium ammonia. I think there's a, a new type of battery that's been unstable yeah. up until now, but a team in Europe have managed to stabilize it. And it gives something like, we have 15 times or X amount of times more. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 it, it can charge within an hour and it can store about 10 times more than before. So it, yeah. there are big innovations in battery, uh, possibly yeah, driven by sure. the cell movement. Yeah. One yeah. of the things... And I think that's key. Sorry, I think that's key is you don't want to tell the owner, well, we've got 24 hours of charging your battery. And that no. will last us till we get halfway to Corsica. <laughs> yeah, um, no, so. certainly the the boats that we've, you know, our, our e-hybrid inception uh, design, all electric, sort of sixty-eight meter. You, know, you have to ma- you have to look at the operating profile very carefully versus the charging cycles, etc. Um, with the current state of technology, to make it a robust enough proposition for use. Um, and, and batteries, you know, batteries are funny things, aren't they? Because there's certainly a huge amount of innovation going on in batteries driven by the automotive, automotive world and maybe the aerospace as well. But there, there are always stories of some mega mega disruptive shift that's yeah. just, just around the corner. You know, it's only a year away and we'll be, you know, we'll be flying across the Atlantic in electric aircraft. And there's no, it's always the reality is always seems to be slightly different. Um, Take a little bit longer yeah. than they think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have to say one of the things that I have found very positive or makes me more optimistic is over the past two years, I feel for the super yacht industry, there has been quite a shift in in how we are viewing how we design. And recently we've had a number of discussions with different shipyards. FedShip in particular were quite vocal at the Mets trade. But in um, in saying these are the measures we are bringing in, even even before we have had them demanded, you know, we we want to. I mean, Bedship is very ambitious. They they would like I think twenty twenty five was their 
not saying it was going to be realistic, but that's where they were aiming to reduce their carbon footprint. And as a shipyard or the boat, um, as a as a a shipyard and in their design, it was very much focused of we're bringing this in even before we're getting the demands because we feel that this is where we need to go. And um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it depends. The, the the demands are already there from the clients, certainly at the. Uh, in in that sort of league of shipyard uh, with those, those sort of caliber of clients, the demand is 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 pretty much already there. I would say on on balance, um, sure the regulation isn't there; it's not being forced on them. Uh, I suppose any any leading business in any industry today to not have a sustainability policy, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. It would be crazy. So. Um, yeah, I think it would be expected. Uh, any client knocking on a, uh, I hate to use the term tier one shipyard, if, if that's what we want to, how we want to segregate our industry. Um, any any client who's who's uh, angling for the the best product um, and knocking at the at the leaders in the industry of um, that they, they they will expect it. Um, uh, so yeah, certainly see all the, all the major shipyards. Um, driving a, a sustainability agenda that starts as basic as, you know, do our coffee machines have paper cups or plastic mm-hmm. ones uh, right through to how do we heat this build hall? You know, are we, are we, are we, are we burning gas or are we, do we have a, a ground source heat pump system or, you know, uh, well, we've been seeing that in, in refit yards. I mean, we go down to Acieros, which is our local one in, in Palma Mallorca. There's a lot of, sustainability thought gone into waste disposal into uh, fluid off runs how to capture that and not just send it into the ocean and, yeah um, yeah and, and and coming back on this uh, the earlier discussion about context sustainability uh, a lot of the good ones are also you know it's not just about energy use and material use it's about commu- local communities mm-hmm. it's about looking after employees um, the whole umbrella of sustainability is is very wide um, it's, yeah as you say it's looking at employees their mental health and, and well-being yeah. as well which is yeah happy worker happy uh happy yeah. company if i'm yeah. if i'm feeling very optimistic i i'm recently which you is know, your norm which is my norm but uh you probably heard about water revolution foundation uh had launched um in last autumn the concept of a, um, it was first named Yeti, but it's to basically measure the ecological impact of that yacht. And for me, I love that idea that in some way we can bring it a bit like when we buy our washing machine and, you know, your washing machine index, even your houses now are graded, you know, from A to E. Walk up up the steps onto some aircraft. There's there's an energy efficiency sticker on the side of the plane. Yeah. I have noticed it on on airplanes, yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah. if we could have that in our industry, and that it it values how more ecological the super yacht is. If you're a grade A super yacht, well, then you're bringing your investment of your super yacht up a whole nether level. Not just because it's a beautiful boat, but because it's got yeah. grade A ecological standardization. Or actually, you're a pilot, yeah. aren't you? I just remembered. Yes, yeah. I do a bit of flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hang gliding. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, so, yeah, um, that's that, that's that's 
pretty ecological because there's no engine involved. Well, the, but, that and I sailing do, as well. You're I, a I sailor. I have to drive around quite a lot to uh, <laughs> in a car. But I think I think the whole index, whether it's an index on a washing machine or a or an aircraft or even a super yacht, it, it's, a, it's certainly a positive measure. Uh, I mean, we all we we we. I often wonder. Um, you know, we're all as consumers observing what's going on in the world and wondering how you know, should we go on that long haul holiday? You know, what what choices should we make? And actually, we're making we're being asked to make choices with very little data. I mean, I have no idea what my carbon output, what my family's carbon output is per year. Um, I, I could sit down for hours, evenings with spreadsheets and I could, you know, it's, it's, I, I've got, even if I could work it out that there's no, there's no context being given to me other than, you know, I need to make better choices and, and reduce my, my carbon output. Um, so I think when we're trying to sell or convince people to buy super yachts or, or any other of these assets to, to be able to say that this is the energy efficiency, that's great. Um, I think we need to be very careful that it's not, uh, it's not a greenwashing exercise because it's very, it's quite easy with some of these things to be able to provide a form of justification to the prospective purchaser that, okay, this, this, uh, I can appease my conscience because I can see it's got a green sticker on it. Um, yeah, what is the green? St- is 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 it actually an authentic? Is it actually an authentic measure? It's a bit like the, the question is: is net zero the same as zero? Mm. Not or, necessarily. Or mm. for me, it, it's the trend of carbon offsetting, which I, I, I yes. like the concept mm. of it, but that doesn't mean that you yeah. can do what you want to I, just I, offset I, the carbon. I, I, <laughs> yeah, when I book an airline flight and there's a little tick box. That says, do you want to carbon offset this flight? Uh, you know, for for two pounds fifteen or whatever they're charging. I I I uh, I my, I'm very skeptical about whether so, if I push that button that, that that I'm actually offsetting all the carbon, truly offsetting all the carbon. Yeah, it, that, it doesn't work uh, with me because I, I you know, if somebody plants a tree in Norway and I'm spewing a lot of carbon dioxide down in. I don't know in uh, the coral reef or something. That that yeah. carbon's just going to get in the ocean and kill the fish anyway, or or yeah. the coral. Even though I have a tree somewhere up in Norway that's that's cleaning some Norwegian air. Yeah, and so I, I've I'm always a little bit kind of, I get it yeah. on one side, but and then that's where the green that's where the greenwashing bit comes mm. in. You know, interestingly, actually, my daughter's studying nine-year-old level economics at the moment at school and um i was looking through a book um she had which covered greenwashing and what greenwashing means and you know i thought i guess i thought well greenwashing is like yeah well let's put a green sticker on it and um but actually when you unpick it um it goes from it goes to really deep to a corporate level about justifying your products through the the types of labels we've talked about and um, the offsetting thing. And, you know, we see, we see companies now claiming that in the next X many years, they're going to be carbon neutral and all these things. And yes, you, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great intention provided it's authentic Um, and the way it's done is authentic. And, and, you know, so that carbon neutral does actually mean zero. Um, and and also that it doesn't drive apathy, because I think we yeah. still got to got to push ourselves to use and produce less carbon, 
and not just sit back and go, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to get that eight liter petrol guzzling car because I got 15 plants in Poland that are cleaning the carbon yeah. for me. You know, I, I still, I still think yeah. we need to, to balance both, you know, do your carbon offset, but yeah. also, you know, think about your, your washing machine or your next car. Yeah. But I think, I think on balance, our industry is quite proactive in, hmm. uh, and, and there are the right motivations to do, to do authentic, authentic things, uh, in terms of, um, carbon reduction and working towards zero uh, and being more sustainable. And um, just, you know, this year and next year, the IMO have um, brought in measures to reduce sulfur dioxide and nitrous oxide. How, how effective do you think the regularization of the marine industry is? Because I, I would presume it's as effective as they can implement but is do you see that as also one of the driving forces if the marine industry can regulate more clearly or more effectively what is expected for pollution that that might have an effect as well yeah i mean you know we, we can't get away from these these regulations especially when they're um they're embedded in the in the fundamental uh, conventions you know the uh, marpol etc some of them won't have, really have much impact on us. For example, the the socks um, uh, matter. You know, we don't use high sulfur fuels. We don't use heavy fuel oil. Uh, so that that you know that is having a big impact on commercial industry. Um, but I don't think we'll see any any particular impact of that. Um, the 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 NOx. You know, we've kind of dealt with via tier three. There's still an open question about you know the the smaller boats. Um, which are currently uh, exempt, um, but at some point that that exemption will will run out and won't be extended, um, and we mustn't be sleeping on that. And we really, you know, we know our industry knows through bitter experience, um, thinking in particular of the uh, ILO regulations. You know, we were kind of a little bit asleep at the wheel, and when the Maritime Labour Convention came and hit us, you know, we were on the back foot. But I think we are. I think we, we, we have as an industry learned from that. And I think we're quite proactive at, at looking at um, what's coming and then playing a part of shaping what's coming, being at the table as far as we're able. Yeah. So last big question, because we're getting close to the top of the hour. You have children like ourselves, which uh, I think certainly helps focus your vision of the future. Do you feel optimistic at I don't mean, you know, globally for the next 50 years, because there's going to be a lot of um, mountains to climb, so to speak. But do you feel optimistic in the speed of development of where we can go in the next five to 10 years? Uh, or pessimistic? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it, it, uh, well, you know, you know, you'll know as a parent, you know, you, you tend to worry about stuff which... When you reflect back to when you weren't a parent, you, you didn't really think about very much. Mm. Actually, when you when you try and tell people who, this who don't have kids, they don't really understand. As soon as you have have kids, I was part of the burden, I guess, of continuing the human race uh, is that we worry about uh, worry about what, what they will have to grow up with and their children. I suppose you know we are we are at that beta max VHS stage. We are at a stage where you know a lot of um, well-qualified people are saying, if we don't do something now, you know, 
we may not be able to do anything in the future that that knowledge of world the world um ecosystems a bit beyond my my level of real experience to know whether or not that's true or not uh so i you know i can see us reacting i can see marine industry as a whole reacting will it be fast enough i hope so and comes back uh, to the paradigm I shift I'm, really I, yes it's paradigm shift i'm you know a lot of what we do here every day is about you know advancing technology to make things better um and uh you know we're not the only company doing that there are thousands of companies and millions of people doing it every day so i like i suppose with my optimistic hat on i think yeah you know advancement through technology is that the audi uh dirt technique <laughs> <laughs> quote um advancement through technology will we'll, we, we will find the solutions to the world's problems I guess it, it depends yeah. also who you listen to. I mean, there's a group of scientists that say, oh, yeah, if we do all this by 2050, thumbs up, we're good. Where if you listen to another group of scientists, they'll say, if we don't do this paradigm shift within five to eight years, <laughs> game over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I suppose if I apply common sense, um, which for me is like one of the most fundamental qualifications you can have as a human. Uh, it's one of those um, things I find personally it, very difficult. Yeah. Is it, is it, you know, we talk about a paradigm shift. How do you get, how many people are on the, on the planet? Seven billion. Like how do you get seven billion people to make a paradigm shift in a fairly short period of time? That's I, my, my common sense tells me that that isn't really going to happen. No. Um, uh, so we, we may have to find other ways to work around that. Um, um, if I'm wearing my optimistic hat, though, I and it can be challenging sometimes in, in today's world, but there have been moments in um, world history where we have managed to completely change. Unfortunately, there have been times like World Actually, Wars, I was say world War but II. within mm. World War Two, as a for technology as a society if you take out the fact that it was a war but we did manage to completely shift a whole generation within 10 years the effectively yeah the difference yeah. being though in say for example world war ii what you had there was a, an immediate threat but it was tangible it was palatable it was there you know you could see the bombs coming down you could hear it whatever where with the the um, climate, climate crisis, thing. we're starting to feel the difference in weather. But mm. okay, there's a turtle playing with plastic in the oceans out there. There's, you know, it's to a lot of people it seems very removed. So I do think it's getting that way that we're we're clubbing together and and recognizing the immediate threat. But a lot of people aren't tasting it, um, no. not touching it, and going, oh, okay, now I know. Yeah, shit, I got to be scared about this. So, yeah, yeah. But you've got to stay optimistic, I guess. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you have children, you need to stay optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> that's beyond sustainability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the future belongs to them. Um, we need to make sure we, we hand them something that's uh, not broken. <laughs> we'll do our best to anyway. Yeah. yeah. With, with a small note of apology. There you go, kids. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, very insightful. Great. Yeah, it's good to, to learn what you're doing there and, yeah. and your thoughts. Thank you for sharing them with okay. us. Okay, all right. Thanks for all the challenging questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hopefully we can get you back on to uh, talk about other stuff in the future. Sure, forward. no problem. 
You've been listening to James Roy from Lateral Naval Architects and Engineering. If you'd like to find out any more information or get in contact with James, go along to their website. It is very simple, lateral.engineering. That's www.lateral.engineering. And you'll get all the information you want there, not only on the website, but contact information as well, telephone numbers, email addresses, and even a handy-to-use contact form. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in to Super Yacht Radio. Super Yacht Radio, making you feel good all day long.